So in today's episode, you're going to meet Kim Rehebi, who works with uh, at AgLife, and I'll let her describe what that is, but works with public health and under or low resource people. And it's a cool story. I met Kim at a wedding that uh, for a mutual friend, and we got to sit down at our table and talk about the things that really light us on fire, the, our passion for helping people. And so as she started asking questions about the healing place and I talked to her about her experience with helping low resource people, I thought I need to get Kim on the podcast. So enjoy our episode today as we talk about how we can partner with people who are helping the real needs of people today. And we are back. Hey, Kim. Hi. Good How morning. are you? Nervous. Nervous? Yeah. Okay. So why are you nervous? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have scheduled and rescheduled this podcast so many times. I'm just nervous to be here, but I'm excited I'm to be so here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad so to be here. everyone, it's Kim Rehebi. Yeah. And so before I tell everyone where we met, okay. because that's a cool story. It is. First, you, do you want to tell what just happened to you on Thursday? <laughs> I mean, I can't believe you're here. Seriously, because you have you haven't really scheduled and rescheduled. It's just you wanted to be ready yeah, for this podcast, and I it did. wasn't a good time. And we finally scheduled it. And then the Thursday before the Monday, I got clipped by a truck when I was on my bike. You were on your bike and got yeah. clipped by a truck and went flying. Yeah. And it could have been I rolled. okay. And you rolled, yeah. so you have some battle scars. I do, and this is the second time that I've had an accident on my bike. <sighs> Last year, I had around this time, I had a pretty bad accident. Um, I did not get clipped by a vehicle last year. Last year was completely my fault. And then this year got clipped by a vehicle and, and I went flying. But you're still riding. You haven't learned your <laughs> lesson to stay off the bike or I, go to Peloton or go inside it. I love being outside despite the heat no, and the mosquitoes. I'm with you. I yeah. And I really, so right after that accident, I popped up off the ground and I got really angry at the driver. Thank Bless his heart for, uh -huh. you know, stepping out. Yeah. But um, I was like, I have to go to Bible study. I have to leave Bible study. I'm running late to Bible study. I had blood coming down my face. And he was just looking at me like a crazy person because I was. Well, you pop right up in I those did. situations. Adrenaline, Adrenaline man. Yeah. So so it's a, it's our friend, right? In it survival. Is. But then a couple of days later, I mean, you're bleeding, right? Yeah. And you scraped your elbow, your knee, yeah, I you, your gross. hip got clipped. And so but you had to go, though. you went and led your Bible study. I did. And when I was telling the kids what had happened, because I, I texted them saying, Miss Kim is running late. I'm so sorry, but I'll be there. Small accident. And then I get on screen and I, I was running so late. I yeah. was like, listen, y'all, um, I'm going to get on screen, but please know that I'm, I'm just cleaning this up. And so I did. I got on screen and the girls in my group, they're my girls. They were like, where is he? Where is he? What does he drive? Where does he live? We're yeah. going to mess him up. Mm -hmm. And then the boys. <laughs> mess him up. <laughs> the boys knew that I had an accident last year. And they said, Miss Kim, why don't you just stop riding? <laughs> and the thought briefly crossed my mind of maybe I should just stop. Maybe I'm not mm -hmm. good at this. Mm -hmm. And that filled me with so much sadness. Aww. Being a cyclist is now yeah. very much ingrained as part of my identity. I cycle every single day outside, rain or shine, yeah. mosquitoes. So I don't think I can stop. I should probably wear a helmet, though. So there's your safety you tip. You should kids. Wear, a wear a helmet. So yeah, yeah. The episode that's going to air probably right before this one was with Todd Gordon, yeah. who just rode around Florida for 1,200 miles after doing a 70.3 mile Ironman, and he got on to you about the helmet situation. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he so. turned on me. <laughs> he did. He did. So, so let's talk about. So I'm glad you're here, Thank you. and I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. So. A couple of days after the accident, stuff starts showing up, not just the scars, but like you feel sore and oh stiff. Have you gotten any of that stuff? Oh, it's mm -hmm. so I had a minor concussion because the okay. vomiting and the nausea definitely hit. And I'm familiar with concussions. I've okay. had them as a young athlete my whole life. Okay. Um, but oh man, it literally felt like getting hit by a truck. Yeah. My neck is still sore. Um the I'm scabbing, which is good, but man, does it hurt. It yeah. really does sting. Yes. I'm using an antiseptic spray. Yeah. And it's it's just gnarly. Well, But I was worried that yeah. the bruising would show up on my face. And that's why I texted you. I'm, yeah. like, I'm not canceling, but... It's not showing up. There's a lot of makeup on my face. <laughs> There's a yeah, lot of makeup. Mine too. I'm wearing all kinds of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so, that does your makeup. So, Great so, job. So let's see. You were... Um, I did a wedding. Yes. So back for, uh, let's see. It was in March. March. Yeah. Wow. I know, okay. right? Okay. Well, I've done many since then, so it's hard to keep them straight. So this was actually, uh, 
the second wedding I had done for this couple because yes. we did one that was the COVID, just yeah. family and friends, and let's show it on Facebook. And then I did the live, you know, party ceremony later yeah. um, for a mutual friend. Yeah, and we so, love them. So I did. I did the wedding. You were actually late. I don't know if you were riding a bike that day, but but you were late. So I did. You, so I'm sitting there exclaiming about the dessert table at the reception, and you walk in and say, well, "Hey, what brings you here?" Or something. I think I was talking to Casey, your friend. Yeah. And um, I was like, "Wow, you must not have been paying attention," you know. But you admitted that you had just gotten there. You were late. I was so, very late. Anyway, so then at the reception, literally every single person at my table, you know, they're signing the tables. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like the loser by himself at my table. No one showed up. Like no one was something about you, Brian. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They saw you at the table and they were like, nope. No one was at my table. And so I had met you guys at the dessert table. So I came over and said, hey, would you mind if I sat with you guys? And what a great, great, great time. Yeah. Because not only did I get to sit by you and Casey, and we started talking, but then the videographer, a yeah. uh, couple of the guys that there were, were a with, there. with, yeah, and yeah. we started talking about church and faith and theology and yeah. deconstruction, some of my favorite things. Um, but as we talked, so I got to hear over the band and the loud noise, you know, loud. we just started talking about the healing place and what I do and First United Methodist Plano, right? Yes. And um, just some of your experience working at Ag Life and, uh, but more importantly, your experience with helping people. And I remember something you said when I said something about helping hurting people. Mm-hmm. And you said, that's literally your primary motivator. Like there's nothing else. Like that's all there yeah. is. Something to that effect. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, that's cool. We talked about Stephen Ministries and yeah. some of the things that you do at your church and I do. And I thought, I want to get you on the podcast because the more we talked, the more I realized how involved with not just public health, but in helping people that a lot of people in our current culture wouldn't think need help right? And trying to find help for under or low resource people, which we'll come back to. Yes. But it's kind of redefining who those people are, especially post pandemic, right? So first, tell me your education, your experience. Like, like, do we have that kind of time? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I think we do. Go. Oh, gosh. I, uh, I have a BS in psychology and biology. I have a master's of public health. I have a graduate certificate in global health, which my advisors made me get. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I did not want to stay in school. Okay. I'm so glad they made me do that. I have a national board certification in public health. And right now through your good graces, mm-hmm. I'm working on a mental health coaching certification through light university. Yes. Yeah. The AACC and light yes. university, which yeah. that's so cool. So I'm you're so going to be a certified mental health coach very, yes. very soon. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when, when you talk, when we were talking at the wedding about what you do, Um, there was something that drew you to um, not just church and ministry, but really digging in and getting the certifications and getting this training to help people. Um, So just tell me your, the last few years of work experience, because you've had several different things that you've done. So tell me what you've been doing like the last, say, three to five years. The last three-ish years, Mm -hmm. I've been with AgriLife Extension Mm-hmm. Uh, as a health agent. So I put on programs that pertain to health, wellness, nutrition, physical activity, things that fall within that umbrella. And I've been with them since September 2018 in some capacity or another. Uh, we also do data collection on okay. the individual on the individuals yeah. that participate in our programs okay. to see what their health habits are like mm-hmm. and whether or not these programs help them, hurt them, do nothing for them, right. do something for them. Because data is important. Before that, I was in a slightly different career. I was a clinical researcher. I started off at the bench and I worked my way up to clinical and I was there for about eight years. And this was a collaboration between UT Dallas and UT Southwestern. UT Dallas, UT Southwestern and research. And you said you loved research. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the investigative process, but I think the reason why I loved it and I have such fond memories of it is because I had an excellent team, phenomenal team. And that's, those are hard to find. Yeah. yeah. And so you miss them, huh? I do. Yeah. But we're all kind of scattered to the wind now. We all live in different states. Some of us live in different countries. One fellow mm-hmm. lives in Italy, another is in Brazil. Everyone is kind of doing their own thing, but we're still in touch. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so now I have new friends at AgriLife. New friends at AgriLife, and but so so this this researching um, what basically what people need and doing data collection. Like, let's don't offer things that aren't helping, right? Yeah. What imagine that? What a concept! Let's yeah. actually give people what they need, um, not necessarily what they want, but like what do they need? What's truly helping people? Uh, so you started asking a lot about the healing place, and yeah. you asked about the Hope Center, and, yeah. and, and, and like what's the difference, right? So. In the context of a church, and the buzzword, I guess, I don't know, it probably at least a decade, maybe two decades old, because time flies when you're having fun, in, in church world became this be missional, right? Leave the building and go out and be relevant to your community, right? Um, if, if you cease to exist, would people notice? Like, 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 and it was a question someone asked me one time while cutting my hair. They said, they didn't say, hey, how's your childcare or your kids program, or do you have, you know, casual clothes and donuts and how's your worship and all that? They said, I talked about CrossFit and said, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I said, what do you do? And, and I, I thought, wow, what a great question. Like, why do you exist? Right. And so that is all a pretext for this question. What do you see the needs are that are out there in the communities that you believe the church should be better equipped at meeting or could help meeting? Cross Timbers does a pretty good job of meeting mm-hmm. some of these needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some churches as well, some not so much, and it, it probably ties into their resources or okay. pertains to okay. the resources that they may have. Mm-hmm. But the issues with the audiences that I'm seeing haven't changed dramatically because of COVID. A lot of them have become exasperated, but nothing new has necessarily occurred. Okay. People still want affordable childcare. They mm. still need affordable childcare. To, mm-hmm. to use the difference between the words you use, their needs yes. versus want. They still need affordable childcare. They still need livable wages. They still need rest. And you and I talked about mm. rest a little bit ago. A lot of the individuals that I serve, they're working one, probably two jobs. They're probably taking care of kids. They're probably taking care of parents. Some of them are also going to school because they do want to get to that better next step, to that better next place. Mm -hmm. They're not resting. Mm. They're not eating correctly. They're not exercising. And it's not laziness. It's the inability to find or create time. And it's very easy for someone like me to sit back and say, oh, make time, prioritize it. I don't have children. I'm not necessarily in school. Multiple children, multiple Mm -hmm. jobs. We, we call it chronic fatigue syndrome. We, we yeah. name this thing, but everyone in our culture, uh, many, many people have chronic fatigue. They're tired. They're, they're, they're they literally out. have no rest ever. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing, if you're lifting a weight, they call it hypertrophy, right? It's just like hypertrophy, if you will. So something's developing, the muscle getting bigger and bigger. But if you never, it's rest and recovery and then rebuilding. You tear down that muscle, you rest, you recover, it gets stronger. If you just keep going with no rest, finally just gives out, right? It gives up. Or it'll disconnect from your bone. Yeah. There's some gnarly YouTube videos out there, man. Gross. So, so no rest. No rest. People are tired. How does a place like Cross Embers, how does any church meet that need? So if they Mm. can help with childcare, which Cross Embers does, if they can help provide accessible and affordable mental health like the Healing Place does, folks could probably do a visit with you um, on their phone from one job to another. It's not ideal, but it's doable. Now that we're doing Zoom appointments, they could. Yeah, they, they could. Mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm. I'm doing a program, I'm always tickled, especially if I'm doing a virtual program, I'm always tickled whenever I see that one little window and it's someone and the phone's down here and I can see their steering wheel and they're driving and they still had the good grace to tune into whatever it was that I was doing. Sure. So I make sure wow. I give them a shout out of, I see you're driving. Thank you so much for being here. Please don't worry about the raising the hand mm-hmm. thing or anything like mm-hmm. that. I'm delighted that you're here to listen, but please be careful and focus on the road. Mm-hmm. So cross or the Healing Place does offer that, those virtual appointments, and that could be very helpful for someone getting from one place to another who just needs to talk to someone. And I think you're right. I think we have done a pretty good job, and that's what I started to say. I don't know if I ever got there when missional became kind of the buzzword. I mean, we kind of planted our church trying to be missional. It's like, like, why do we exist, and what do we do, and who do we want to help, right? Not just come to church. Like, you are the church. You don't go to church, right? You are the church. And so let's go be the church out in the marketplace or what have you. people where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I think even to that, you get in this mode of doing, you know, just we're creatures of habit. You just do what you do. And so many times then things can become wallpaper out there. You, you can even in your community, you just drive by them a hundred times and you, you may not see things. So 
what are you seeing? And I think, again, post-pandemic, like there's this new group of people mm-hmm. that are standing in line for food or coming through our Hope Center getting meals for their family that weren't in those lines, mm-hmm. you know, a year ago. And that's if or they two can years make ago. it to the Hope Center. Yeah. A lot of people can't for transportation reasons. Home, I was seeing homelessness before COVID. I've never seen it like this before. I live and work in Collin County. It's one of the most affluent counties in Texas. I've never seen homelessness the way I'm seeing it now. It's incredibly concerning and not enough is being done about it. So the stigma that all homeless people have mental illness uh, or schizophrenia, you know, mental illness of some sort or a drug addicts. So talk about that. What's the new homelessness that you're seeing? The new homelessness that I'm seeing Mm. are people who have been evicted. Mm. Not mental ill, not mentally ill, not drug addicted yet. Not mentally ill yet. Um, I'm sure if I was evicted, I would be hit with depression for sure. And that depression would probably manifest into something else and stay with me for a while. And that's how, how does a place like cross timbers or my church or any church meet that need? Yeah. That's going to take some coalition work. Okay. So talk about that more. I mean, a little bit. Uh, So you and I both know the money to address homelessness is out there. It's out there. Yeah. There are a lot of people with a lot of money, not mm-hmm. just in Texas, but in this country and in this world. Mm-hmm. It could be addressed. I'm in no way suggesting that it's a piece of cake and it's going to happen like that. Mm-hmm. But through coordinated, organized efforts, a dent could most certainly be made. Yeah. So, you know, I, I they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I've heard that my whole life. Like sometimes they need a, a sermon. Sometimes they need a sandwich. We need to show people that we care about their... You talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If we don't meet those basic needs, we're never going to get to someone's soul care or mm-hmm. their spiritual care, right? Mm-hmm. We're never going to be able to share the hope of good news of a God that cares and loves someone, cares for and loves someone until we show that we're the hearts of, and hands of Jesus, that we care and love someone, Nourish right? Nourish their bodies. Yeah. I know when I'm hungry, you can't say anything to me. It's not going to register. It's going to go in one ear and out the other because I'm hungry. My brain has been hijacked by my stomach. Imagine what someone with chronic hunger is going through. Yeah. Why would wow. they care what you have to say about a loving God? Yeah. Yeah. So a friend, a good friend of mine, he actually, he passed in 2019 of stage four uh, uh, lung cancer. Um, just incredible guy, salt of the earth. And we had so many theological discussions, faith, God, the church. And, but in the early days of our relationship, you know, here I was this, you know, Bible Belt South, you know, Church of Christ boy, fundamentalist. Yeah. And he was a Chicago Catholic, right? And, and we had all these discussions about, and he just going these long rants in the corner bakery <laughs> over there in Highland Village about how, the government had taken over all of the things that the church should be doing, right? And kept saying, you know, this is the church's job. The government shouldn't be doing that. The church should be doing that. And and part of me was like, okay, yeah, we should be doing that. But it was almost like shame on the church. If we would just step up and do this, then the government wouldn't have to. And part of it is the government's just going to do what the government does, right? Mm-hmm. They, and, and it evolved. And so they're doing some things and maybe the church lets them, if you will, but it doesn't have to be an either or, right? It like, does not. What about a partnership? What so, about a coordinated so effort? So when you see things that you believe the government does well, like you said, you and I both know the money's out there. It's How hard. could we mobilize our people resources to go after some of that money and partner with some of the the organizations that are out there there that are actually making a dent in, you know. We've got our Hope Center, but there's other government agencies and organizations that are feeding people and they're trying to offer shelter for people. So is there a disconnect between church and government and should there be a better marriage? Ooh, I know that's a... That's a loaded question. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that's going to step on some toes okay. that believe church and government should be separate. But the reality is that yeah. we live in modern times mm-hmm. and the church is trying to do certain things that the government is also trying to do. Mm-hmm. So why not coordinate those efforts, especially if they are yeah. in in the service of people who need it most? Who are we hurting really? Now, it does, hmm. it, eyebrows are going to go up at that statement because there's going to be monetary issues that need to be addressed, tax issues that need to be addressed, okay. IRS code. Right. Fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they are correct. Mm-hmm. I don't dabble in that. I dabble in coordinating efforts. 
So that kind of brings us back nicely to the original question of what should churches, what could churches be doing, not necessarily mm -hmm. should. A lot of these government efforts are housed under 211. You dial 211, you get to talk to somebody okay. about all of these resources. Now, why can't once a month we have someone or two or three people out from 211, have them set up a table, we feed them, we give them coffee, we welcome them and have them share information with our congregants so that our congregants can share that information outwardly as well. But also, we do have people who come through who are limited resource. We may not necessarily know. Some people look like they're limited resource and some people don't. You, you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Right. You know this. Mm -hmm. But again, it all goes back to transportation as well. Not everyone can make it to the church on event days like this where two-on-one is going to be there or representatives from the Samaritan Inn are going to be there or people from food pantries are going to be there. Transportation is an issue. Hmm. But a lot of our churches do have shuttle services. And at the risk of sounding really crazy and out there, what there is a liability to it, but why not? drive around and pick up every person that we see on a corner. There is a liability issue to it for sure. I'm not discounting that or minimizing that, but what if that works? What if we get them to the church? What if we get them hooked up with services that they may need? Mm -hmm. Here's the problem though. A lot of these services, especially if they are offered by the government, mm -hmm. you have to meet certain requirements, right? You definitely have to be sober. You definitely have to be clean, Okay. but you also have to meet certain poverty levels that are, in my opinion, insane. They're incredibly low, these poverty levels. They're so you're impossible. saying the criteria to be able to be helped by this particular program, usually taxpayer funded, right? Yeah. It's government subsidized, but but we're giving the taxes to, to fund this program. You have to be under a certain level and you're saying it's ridiculous. So many people are living their, their paycheck to pay. They don't have a paycheck and they have been evicted, but they still don't qualify. Because they're as, not working. Okay. Yeah. So... Poverty cycle, the cycle of poverty. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Talk about that. It's a vicious cycle. If you don't have a place to live, it is much more difficult to find it. Not impossible. You and I have both seen people do it, but it is much more difficult yeah. to find a job, to be able to shower, go to an interview, be presentable, be presentable physically, mentally, and in a way that allows you to communicate. With dignity. With, yes. with dignity, man. With dignity. Yeah. There, man... The way homeless people are stripped of their dignity, often by their community, is heartbreaking. Aren't we? I'm just being, I just growing up. I just remember watching my parents' reaction to someone who looked and smelled different than us. Mm -hmm. They were on a corner. They were maybe on a cardboard box under a bridge, whatever. It was like we're scared of those people. Mm -hmm. And the stigma around mental illness or addiction. It's like, and again, I get it. You know, if you see all the tents now, you, I went to, man, we were in Austin just recently and just the, the tents yeah. lining place streets that didn't used to have homeless people in tents. Right. Um, I didn't want to send my daughter. I mean, it's not, she wasn't going to UT anyway, but I, I wouldn't want her as a freshman in college, you know, walking up and down that street at night. Yeah. So I, I get it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, it's such complex issues around it, but like, Sometimes they get picked up and arrested and fined and they don't have the money to pay for it. Now they do sometimes get a meal while they're in jail, maybe even a shower. And that's a blessing. It's a weird one, but it's a blessing. But then they're, they've got that fine now. And some of them have racked up so many misdemeanors that it makes it even more difficult for them to get a job. This turn, I don't know why he keeps, <laughs> I guess, dang Sarah Palin, you know, soccer moms. I, instead of this long hair and long beard and got the, the army coat on and three teeth and, you know, gibberish because of mental health and, and drunk, you know, it's not that it's soccer moms in the suburbs who have lost their income. They haven't worked. Their husband hadn't worked and now they can't pay for a place to, to live. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing under and low resource people who look like us is, yes. is, and so, uh, we're not quite sure what to do with it either because they look like us. We feel that because they look like us, they should be able to handle the judgment. The, yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're like, when you think about like what you've researched and the data you've collected and do you see a gap in, and 
even including cross timbers. You know, I I love what we do, right? The Hope Center, the Healing Place. Y'all are doing a lot more than most. But let's just, is there, do you see a gap in the, the, the needs that are getting met by churches in some ways we could step up and help? Like what, where do you see, what, what could we do? What are some simple steps we could take? So I did a needs assessment okay. um, because I was curious to see if any of the answers would line up with some of the things that I felt like I was saying. Some of them did and some of them didn't. Um, So some of the answers that were different from what I had expected were people needing resources for how to raise teenagers while also taking care of elderly parents. Uh, and those resources include assistance wow. with paying for medications, um, assistance with transportation, very basic needs, mm-hmm. very basic needs. Diabetes medication is expensive. That was that kind of came to the surface these these past few months, this past year. I am embarrassed to say I really did not know how expensive it was each month for a I diabetic. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm-mm. I'm embarrassed to say that. Another thing that was mm. brought up in this needs assessment was, um, and this falls in, under my purview of having classes that pertain to health, wellness, nutrition, the dimensions of health, because it's more than just your physical and mental health, right? It's your financial health. That's important. It's your occupational health. It's your intellectual health. It's your environmental health. Mm. So ways that Cross Timbers or any other church could help with that possibly is to bring in those experts and individuals to speak on those topics. Financial literacy is really important. And I think we can agree that financial literacy does have a role to play in poverty. It's interesting you bring that up. Um, so many, obviously, Christianity and church in general, because of, well, because of a lot of things, but especially some of the televangelists and some of the scandals that have happened. Yeah. There's this this bad, you know, we just want your money. They want your money. You know, it's just all a scam, right? They want your money. And any type... Any... It's funny you say that. The girl that okay. I was staying with last night, mm-hmm. I was showing her a podcast because I was trying to pick out my outfit. I was showing her <laughs> one of your podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. Look, we coordinated. Oh, yeah. This mm-hmm. worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> and she aired that concern of what if they just want to bring people in to get their money? Wow. That's still very pervasive. Sure. It is. And so it is. And right. And so That's because of that. Blast. She's my friend, but that that belief is still very pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I my brain's now going off in ten, ten different places on that. But but pick a so, direction. Right. So Back to my, so if, if we are seen as the people who want, you want my wallet, you want to get in my, and, um, so, so when we're talking about money, people think, oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. They're just going to talk about how important it is to give because we want your money. We actually have programs here that are helping people with financial health. It's yep. not, hey, give us your money. It's, hey, we want to help you manage your your estate, your will, your trust. We want to help you make, do your, uh, you know, Financial Peace University, right? The Dave Ramsey stuff, whatever you think about him. It's we want to help you be good stewards of your money. We don't want you stressed about, you know, one of the biggest stressors in the world. So, and you bring up a point. So we're integrated beings, mind, body, and spirit. And so many times churches focus on the spiritual aspect of the human being. And I said this, I say it almost, well, a lot, it's a theme in in the podcast that I do, that you can't be doing well spiritually or emotionally or spiritually and emotionally and not be doing well physically. That's mm-hmm. usually not the case yeah. because we're all, they're all so integrated yeah. and see we're, we're living these disintegrated lives, if you will, where we're trying to focus on emotional health, but then we're eating Whataburger every meal. No, nothing against, I love me a love Monterey meal. Love me some Whataburger. Love, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's not good to eat every meal, right? No. And so, um, and all the stuff physically that we don't focus on. So you've talked several times, you said nutrition. So nutritional health, physical health, you know, this diet, exercise, money. Being and outside, green space, access nature. to green space, access to safe green space. And we think, I, I think we, we've just divorced, you know, all that from any kind of spiritual life or spiritual care. And now we're seeing these things are all integrated. I think that's the cool, at least the streams that I'm jumping into, this contemplative stream, it's recognizing the mind, body, spirit, soul, you know, connection, mm-hmm. right? And so I, it just takes me back to, we have these low or no resource people and we may say the answer is Jesus. What does that even mean? Like without a physical- What does it tangibly yeah. mean to someone in yes. those situations? Yeah. A while back, this may have been last year in the thick of COVID, I presented to my Bible study group, um, Matthew 
chapter eight, verse one through five, hmm. where the leper approaches Jesus and says, I know you can heal me. I'm paraphrasing. I know you can heal me. Will you heal me? Hmm. And it's a question of, am I worthy of your touch? Am I worthy of being healed? Because of course, as we know, we're both scholars. Uh, illnesses like leprosy were viewed as punishment for sin. It was different back then. And I don't agree with that. That's a very unkind uh, way to approach those who need our help most. Of course he was worthy. And of course Jesus healed him. Absolutely. And mm, one of the things so good, that I yeah. brought up, oh, I was sobbing mm, through this. Mm. It was one of my earliest uh, Bible study lessons. And I'm sure they all thought, Miss Kim's crazy. Um, but one of the uh, <laughs> examples that I brought up, modern day examples were individuals who are homeless. So I, I told them, I said, I would never tell you to do this because your parents would all kill me. But y'all have no idea how difficult it is to stand on that corner, mm. holding a sign. Mm. You are stripped of your dignity, extending your hand out to hundreds, often thousands of strangers, asking, am I worthy of getting to eat today? Now, there's this whole argument of, well, they're going to buy cigarettes. Well, they're going to buy sure. alcohol. Yes. I would too, if I mm -hmm. were in those straits. Mm -hmm. Alcohol has calories mm -hmm. and it has a numbing effect. So does nicotine. Sure. So does yeah. nicotine. And addiction is very, very real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Addiction is very real. Mm -hmm. And so I told these kids, again, I'm not telling you to do it. Your mom and dads were killing me, but think about it. Put yourself in that situation and Have how gut-wrenching it could be. The, the I know in a lot of universities, that that's the class or, or an exercise in the class. You, you, you have to go out and stand on the corner and hold a sign. I mean, that's one of the, some of the ones that they sign up to do. I saw some girls when we were in Nashville on the corner by the Gaylord Opryland Hotel. And um, I, I'd seen them that week and I've, it, it's, it's, so now you're going through, okay, this guy's wanting it for drugs or alcohol. Okay, this one's just in a class, you know, so, doing the pre-qualification, should I give or not? You know, you want to be good steward of what you're giving. And yeah. I've heard that you just give and let God do the thing. Well, that's irresponsible, honestly. It, 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 that's a long conversation. It could be very responsible. I'm going to trust God with it, but you could be throwing your money down or hurting things. But but so I pulled over and asked you know, while during at a red light, I said, hey, is this a class? <laughs> and, 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 and the girl looked at me, she said, it is. And this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. And then, and I looked at her kind of, and she's like, no, you have no idea. Yeah. And I mean, it was just so much that she spoke, you know, lights green. Wow. And I just thought about that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. The, again, for me, it's the word, the lack of, I mean, you don't, the lack of dignity. You don't even see that person as a human being. You, there's all kinds of judgments that you we make. We don't make eye contact. It's no. uncomfortable. Yeah. So, okay, you brought up Matthew 8. Yeah. So there's this cool story. No, oh, it's great. So there's this cool story um, where, you know, the pool of Bethsaida, Bethesda, whatever. I think it's Bethsaida, but I've heard it pronounced different ways. So I've been to it in Israel, right? It was a, it was a, so there's this pool or pools and a lot of people with illnesses and disease would sit around waiting for the wind to blow and stir the water. Supposedly, the Holy Spirit was blowing the water, and that's the, the belief, and the first person that got to the water after it stirred got in, got the healing, right? So there was a man who'd laid there for 38 years, mm. and Jesus comes to the man and says, do you want to get well? Seems like a, a silly question, but as you and I know, who work with people that are in sometimes dire circumstances, sometimes some people, all they know. And, and some people, yeah. they, and I'm not going to say the judgment of like to be a victim, but the victim has become, it has taken over. It is so comfortable. Yeah. It's what they know. So the victim mentality. And so it was a very insightful question and a very motivating and action for uh, a bias for action type question that mm -hmm. Jesus said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? And the dude's like, man, I'm paralyzed. I can't get up. You know, every time the water stirs, somebody gets to it before me. <laughs> you know, that was the thing. I can't. And he said, dude, if you want to get well, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Right. And so we do battle in people care. A lot of times people who they're making excuses. So it's not, they do have true excuses or what they're. 
It or does they have come had from one. a place of fear, though. Okay, so talk about yeah, that. It does come from a place mm-hmm. of fear. Yeah. I think when you're in a cycle, let's use this fella, for 38-something years, be mm-hmm. it abuse, hunger, poverty, whatever it is, mm-hmm. sometimes it becomes all you know, and it consume, it does consume, consume you, your mind. It does hijack chronic. your thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when an opportunity does present itself, you don't know what to do with it. It's terrifying. Luck I'm quoting Will Smith, who probably quoted somebody else. Luck is when opportunity, opportunity meets preparation, the, right? Yes. When you are unprepared because you're hungry and you're poor and you're living in your car, sleeping on couches, going to shelters, and an opportunity presents itself and you're not ready, that's terrifying. And you feel even more wretched and foolish about jumping out to grab that opportunity. Now, those who do, we applaud them, right? Oh, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm-hmm that there's that judgment again. And those who don't, we judge them as being as wanting to be in the cycle that they're in. Who, who could possibly want that? Some people that's become what they know. They don't know or trust anything else. Yeah. And I'm, I'm probably speaking with a great deal of empathy and a great deal of pity and maybe creating a little bit too many um, opportunities for excuses, mm. but I've seen this too much. Yeah. Well, I think that's the heart. Honestly, that's that's what I heard at, at the wedding around the table. There's a heart of compassion when you're truly dealing with people. They have a name. They have a story. When you know their stories, mm-hmm. that's, you know, I've, you know, you can't call yourself a pastor if you don't smell like sheep, right? <laughs> it's like, no, no, you can talk about it and theorize well about it. But when you, but when you're with people, you start to hear their stories and, and they have a name, they have a story. And, and now they are a person, mm-hmm. they are an identity and they've got dignity as a human being. They've got worth, they've got value. And you see that. So, so. May I interrupt you? Yes. I will say this more often than not, people do want out. They just don't know what to do. And that's where people like you, me, the church comes in to help them find that next step and to often hold their hands and get them to that next step. Yes. So I think about the plight of a person who they need, they need a shower. Yep. They need a job. Yep. You know, they need a meal. Mm -hmm. And so if I give them anything, I I need this money for, to go eat right now. It's like, wow, you could use that money for a deposit or a down payment. It's like, whatever. It's it's like they need, so they need a lot right at the same time. Can't deposit on anything. And so when I think of, so what we do a lot of times Churches will do, let's do a mission effort. We go to the orphanage for a week. We go down and paint houses for a week. Mm-hmm. We feed people for a day on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We do a, a, a toy drive at Christmas. It's this concentrated one day or one week thing where we come in and then we leave. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from the kids in the orphanages, oh, here we go. This is to make you yourself feel better. Here's a photo op. You know, here's that. It's the cynical view that they have adopted saying, you're not with me for the long haul. So you come in and then you leave. Do you blame them? No. Yeah. So, so that's, I feel like, so we need to start partnering with things that exist that maybe just need people. It's yeah. not, they just need people sure. that, that are going to come and stay. Right? Sure. But those it, people also have bills to pay. <clears throat> And therein lies the issue. All of these projects, all of these systems, they need people, but they don't pay very well, do they? They don't yeah. treat people very well, do they? Some of them do. Yeah. Some of them are fantastic. But people, st- and, and there's- So all- you're saying you can't volunteer get- every day. You got to work. You got to work, man. Mm-hmm. How are they supposed to pay their bills? Yeah. These are flawed so, systems. So the need to mobilize uh, a rotation, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I'm thinking about all the ways we could use the- volunteer army, right? Mobilize the the people resource that we have here that I think care about people. It's like, how, how can we, we train our people to have eye contact, out? to make eye contact and get involved? And look, hear me. As I say this, there's nights, I'm going to drive right by somebody. Mm-hmm. It's the good Samaritan, right? The one who stopped and the one and the Levite who didn't, right? Yeah. Or what have you. Um, there's days where I think we're all simultaneous saint and sinner. You know, which one's going to show up in that moment of need? There's times where I'm tired or yeah. I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm selfish. I want to go home and watch a show, not go get involved at a soup kitchen, yeah. right? So I think we have to be intent, like, let's admit that. Let's don't have this neurotic, like, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. And then- so we don't do anything. We just talk about it. Let's let's admit, you know, I don't want to do it every day. So maybe I need to have a conversation with 30 other people who don't want to do it every day. But if we all take one day, those mm-hmm. 30 people, we've just covered a month. Yep. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. So is there anything, as I say that, is there anything in your research that says, yeah, that could work or no, that doesn't work? You know what I mean? Coordinating. Yeah. Coordinating, organizing. Okay. Um, getting people to show up and do what needs to be done mm-hmm. is, is a lot easier said than done. A lot of well-meaning people out there, lots of them, but getting them trained, minimizing liability, because there is liability to this work. There is. Mm-hmm. And having systems in place, probably like the healing place to prevent them from getting burnt out from this. Even that one day a month over a period of time, because it's not, we'll, we'll burn them out because it's not just them showing up. It's all the pre-planning that goes into mm-hmm. this one day a month. It's all the meetings. It's all the training. We are, we're probably minimizing and simplifying this a little bit. Yeah. This is really difficult work. It is. And so many people have tried to do it. So many people are doing it. Yeah. Yet the problem still persists because the problem is bigger and there's more people involved in the problem than there are people involved in trying to fix the problem. So, and again, so I want to give ourselves grace and everyone who's trying. It's a complex. These are complex yeah. problems. They, they're not easily solved. And I don't solved. want them to give up. I don't want myself okay. to give up. So, so it, I could say, I mean, you've heard it a hundred times. You know, we say, well, there's no health care in our country. It's sick care, right? Mm. We don't really promote health and preventative. We just take care of sick. Okay. So in this arena... Are we, is there something that you think is just glaring, this huge oversight that we need to shift our focus and awareness on the problem? In other words, are we doing sick care here and not health care? We're definitely doing sick care, mm-hmm. 100% for sure. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the way our systems are designed. That's why we have insurance companies. And and I'm in no way dissing or discounting them. One of them might hire me one day. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I'm available. <laughs> but the systems that we have in place are designed for sick care. And they are very difficult. So many people have said it is way too complicated. It is way too tangled of a tangled ball Mm. to untangle and undo and have a brand new system and do Medicare for all. Fine, fine. Leave all those systems in place. Let's take a look at people who are working, one job, two job, three jobs. The average American works about 50 to 55 hours a week, not including their commutes. It's not 40, it's more. Yeah, yeah, we're crazy like that. We're very hardworking people. Yeah, this France, not so much. They're like 30 <sighs> and they take like eight weeks of vacation a year. Man, I have cousins yeah. in France, Australia, Germany. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm always just nauseous yeah. every time I hear Greece. about where they're going. Yeah, we're crazy, Gosh. we're neurotic. We, we, we're a mess. We, work, we live to work, we don't work to live. We are very hardworking people. We are, part of it is our identity. We've, we've been bred with this identity of working ourselves into the grave. But the other part of it is practicality. We have bills to pay. We have bills to pay. So we have to work like this. So mm. the idea that I keep mm. coming back to, and it's it's gaining traction a little bit, not okay. necessarily in this country, a little bit in this country, but more so obviously mm-hmm. in Western mm-hmm. Europe where they've already been doing it, of cutting the workday down by just one hour, preferably two, but just one hour. So instead of working 40 hours a week on paper, you and I both know it's more, working 35 hours a week on paper. There are two things at play here. One is Parkinson's law and one is productivity. So Parkinson's law, if you give someone eight hours to do something, they'll take up all those eight mm-hmm. hours to mm-hmm. do it. And then the, uh, the productivity data that has come out repeatedly has suggested that the average American is really only productive at work for about five to six hours. Yeah. So those two things are working in tangent. Yeah. So what's happening there? That work is being is being spread out over a longer period of time. They're making themselves more tired for only less productivity. So why not cut down the workday? They're going to be that productive anyway, five to six hours. And I, I'm going to suggest that right here. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Make sorry. this your clinical experiment, man. I'll organize. Sounds it Sounds good you. to me. I'll organize it for you because I'm serious. And nap I'm time you, at lunch. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, I was part of a program once where the fiesta. Fe- the fella in this program had the audacity to say, "Yeah, just just tell your secretary that you're going to take a 20 minute nap." Or a thirty-minute nap at lunch. I was like, "Sure, let me let me just find my yeah. imaginary secretary." That that kind of advice is for a certain percentage mm-hmm. of Americans. The rest of us aren't. Right. We've got way different yeah. work structures and work lives. Mm-hmm. Secretaries. That's, that's <laughs> goals, man. Goals. I'm I'm suggesting, and this isn't me just pulling stuff out of thin air. There's data on this okay. that the American health outcomes will improve, if not in six months, then a year. 
So you don't have to mess with the insurance thing. You don't have to mess with Medicare for all necessarily. Let's try this. There are workplaces like Battelle up in Ohio. They have offices Mm -hmm. elsewhere, but they're Mm -hmm. primarily in Ohio where they have a schedule where every other week, every other week, their employees get a three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're still working 40 hours. So they're not doing the 35-hour thing that I'm suggesting. It's still 40. But their employees are pretty happy with that schedule. Imagine how much happier they would be if they had 35 hours a week and then every other week we're getting a three-day weekend. One day is for rest. Another day is for, you know, mm-hmm. getting stuff done. You got to yeah. go shopping. You got a meal plan. You got to clean. Laundry ain't going to do itself. Mm-hmm. And then another day for doing something fun, spending time with family, doing something creative. You and I at the wedding, we were talking about those health dimensions. And I think I told you that I would argue that there are three missing health dimensions, and that is creativity, culture, and community. Creativity, we would argue, we would perceive that to be a luxury. Individuals for a limited resource do not have that luxury to sit down and read or to do a paint and wine class or to do something that exercises the creative dimensions of their brains, Mm -hmm. which is so therapeutic. Yeah. That is a leisure. That Mm -hmm. is a luxury. Mm -hmm. So that is what I would argue is let's have some sites. I'm being so serious. I'll organize this for you. Try it at the Cross Timbers. Try it for six months. Try it for a year. And if it doesn't work, then say you try no no write it off. Right. And a lot of workplaces will argue that, well, it's going to cost us money. Well, how are we going to measure productivity? Well, how do you measure productivity now, man? Yeah. Use those same measurements. We were just talking about this before. No, Kim, it's the lack. Look, us being slaves to uh, 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 our the bills, the debt, time, um, we've lost a, the sense of who we are. When I talk to people about, so if I cut you open, what do you bleed? Like, what's your passion? What do you love to do? Um, you talked about, that's what I was going to go back to. Well, like, it just totally just escaped my mind. When you said in your early days of uh, being an athlete, right? Yeah. Talk about your, so, so I was going to say, so what'd you do, right? And I think you, didn't you do tumbling? I was a gymnast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so maybe you love that, but a lot okay. of people, they, they danced or they painted or they played the piano or whatever, and they haven't done it in years, Man, in years. Yeah. Why? They're tired. They're busy. And they, they think that I can't monetize that. So they're not doing something that they were literally wired to do, created to do. So when you don't, and, and, and if you're good at it and you're passionate about it, you build this sense of like identity and competencies. Like I feel good about myself and they're totally stripped away from that. So a big part of their like heart is just missing in their lives. So to build in that creativity and of course community, we're starving for community. We think we're more connected online, but we're not. And we were talking about the phone and look, I've got it. I'm addicted as any human being. We're, we're, the data is here. Science is caught up with what we intuited to be a bad thing. Uh, our brains, because of neuroplasticity, that's the good news. But the bad news is they're being rewired. We're this weird, weird person. The, the hu- human beings are just weird people now. <laughs> and I mean, we just are Beca- because of all the stuff that you're saying we're lacking and we need to build it. We, we, we've got to take this seriously. Uh, if you're scrolling, you know, TikTok for hours mm-hmm. or reels or whatever it is you're scrolling, You've got, there's no, I mean, I love those. They're hilarious videos or they're sad or they're funny or they're creative or they're whatever they are. They're designed to keep you on there. But I would ask you, why is someone sitting down there doing, one of my friends, Hmm. she calls it her woosaw. And I had to look that up. I was like, I don't know what that means. That's, we're different generations. Hmm. But why do people sit in front of the television? Why do people scroll and scroll and scroll? Especially when somebody like me is over here arguing that our number one limited resource is time followed by money. Yeah. So why do people do that? Because they're fried. They're fried. They're fried. It's an escape. Yeah. It is. It's an escape from, and it's an escape to. It's a fantasy. I can get into this life, this world. I can go vicariously live because I'm tired. And it's interesting. And again, the dopamine, all the stuff that's, yes, it's designed to keep us hooked. Which It's again, very well designed, not, too. It's very well by designed. By very smart people. And I love it. The, the problem is when there's no, it's all disconnected. There's no story anymore. There's no arc, a beginning, a middle, an end. So there's no there's no congruent or continuity of any narrative. It's just fragmented. And so our brains are fragmented. We and we perceive reality that way. It's just weird. And so so we have to like 
of all places, I think the church and people who are going to help people, we have to recognize this. Like, let's get people out in nature. Let's get them to 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 walk for more than sixty seconds mm-hmm. around trails. Like, let's let's go an hour around trails where you see nature, you see a story unfolding, you see continuity, you see a constant. Right? You watch a sun go from here to here or from here to there. That's really cool, the sunset. Um, I'm you glad know. you said that. One of the things that I tell my kids in Bible study, and they're so sick of me, is that you know you go to church. That's all well and good. Um, you might find God there, but odds are good that you are more likely to find God in his own creation. Yes. Go to the woods. Go to the beach. Go hike. Deal with the mosquitoes. You are more likely to find God in his creation. And I challenge you, I challenge me, to turn that off. It'll save battery. You know, turn it back on when you see the bear. But. <laughs> so, so to wrap up today, because I know. But they'll wig I, out I, if they do that. <clears throat> and that's how, that's how you know it's a lower level addiction. There you go. Yeah. And so, and that's, this is a whole nother podcast, which I want to have you back. It's you brought another, man. You, you brought another uh, outfit. I sure so. did. <laughs> <laughs> Can't. Can't tape the the episode today, but we will. Okay. But so let's let's end with this, and it's not anything. So don't know. Just kind of like okay, there are some obvious. Like if, if you talk to me about the healing place, what we see every day, mm-hmm. right? If you talk to the Hope Center, what they see kind of every day, there begins to be. I mean, it's it's varied and it's diverse, but themes start to emerge over the years. You know, uh, right now, twenty twenty post twenty twenty post COVID, and in twenty twenty one. What what are you seeing? What would you say are the top greatest needs out there that you believe that a church could be involved at helping with? That's the challenge is, is what can the church do mm-hmm. versus what can one's government do, one can yes, one's healthcare yes, system yes. do, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The church has a very they're they're I wanna say their hands are tied, but they're smaller. Yeah. They've they've got limited resources too. Yeah. I would argue yeah. that whatever the church can do to meet those health dimensions, I, I showed you that wheel mm-hmm. of mental, spiritual, physical, environmental, emotional, financial, intellectual, by bringing speakers in, by bringing professionals in, and by going out into the community. We can't just be a hub. We have to go meet people where they are. Yes. I would challenge a place like Cross Timbers, which has the Hope Center and the Healing Place, to be collecting data. Are you helping the same people over and over? And are their circumstances actually changing? If yes, fabulous. Mm -hmm. If no, why? Mm. And make sure that the faces that you are helping are indeed changing and they are indeed going from place A to place B and then hopefully to place C. Yeah. Because if not, then we're just, we're band-aiding everything, aren't we? Yeah. Well. And it's not a bad thing to bring in someone who does something well. we I don't believe in reinventing the wheel mm-hmm. at all. If someone is doing experts. it well, yeah. bring them in. Yeah. And oftentimes when it's a church asking them to come, they're not going to charge a fee. I think it's into it's it's changing our mindset and and like again and it's funny I didn't even think of church state separation I was just thinking about let's let's you I'm know, an academic so I think about those yeah things. so <laughs> so let's don't be in competition let's don't think either or let's think it's both and like let's let's figure out what's going on if there's something good that we can throw not just money but people resources into and we feel like it's truly going to meet needs let's let's do it i mean that's what the church is supposed to be that's who we want to be mm-hmm. thank you so much you. keep keep doing your research keep doing your work with people and helping people keep riding your bike <laughs> <laughs> keep doing your Wear ministry at, at at church and uh yeah just god bless you and what you do i appreciate you thank you thank you for having me on i appreciate you're you. welcome Glad we met each other at that wedding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed our conversations. Remember to like, share, follow, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And if you ever want to talk to someone in the healing place, we're here for you. Please pick up the phone and call, email, or find us on crosstimberschurch.org, the healing place, or find us on our Facebook page, the Healing Place Group. <laughs>